Hey, before we get into specific issues, I do want to raise uh, something with you. I've seen this on social media uh, and to a degree was echoed uh, on my show last week by BC Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson. People are going after you for, uh, as they're saying, well, you didn't graduate from law school, that kind of thing. Andrew Wilkinson said on my show last week, you've never practiced law. Obviously, an attempt to sort of undermine your position as attorney general. Now, I know you're a lawyer with Queen's Council designation, but just for the for to get a chance to kind of clear that out of there, what's your response to these kind of attacks? Uh, you know, I did go to law school. I practiced law for a number of years. I started my career at the Federal Department of Justice. I practiced with a number of nonprofit organizations. I've appeared at every level of court in British Columbia. And I'm very proud to be Attorney General. And I'm also uh, sufficiently humbled to know that I need the advice of uh, lawyers like Joe Arve or leading counsel in Canada. And uh, we retain them for important work, like our reference, uh, to advise uh, government on the best approach. So what do you say to, to a guy like Andrew Wilkinson, who said clearly on my show, here is a guy who has never practiced law, basically saying, well, we really shouldn't trust what he has to say? Well, I mean, I, I guess if, uh, if Mr. Wilkinson had uh, the basic facts correct, it might be more worth responding to. I've certainly practiced law. And, uh, and also, I can uh, assure British Columbians that uh, we take the best legal advice available. We have a department of literally hundreds of lawyers who uh, are in court every day. Uh, we bring in expert outside counsel to also assist government in legal positions. Uh, and uh, and I thank Mr. Wilkinson for his suggestion, but uh, I'll continue to rely on their advice uh, in forming uh, government policy with my colleagues in cabinet. All right. Uh, I just wanted to get that on the record uh, to give you a fair shake there. Uh, Dave, uh, issue of, uh, number one at hand is the is the reference case, a jurisdiction constitutional challenge. I know you're going to court April 30th. A- at what point do we see the reference question? Uh, we'll be filing the reference by the end of the month, uh, and uh, one of the uh, requirements of the reference is that it be uh, approved by ordering counsel through cabinet. So it'll be going through cabinet uh, uh, before that date, and then it's filed in the court of appeal registry. Um, so uh, it's, uh, we're very close. I think we're about six working days, I guess, from the end of the month. Uh, so the, the reference question will be out very shortly. Do you have a reference question now, Dave, or is it still being sort of crafted? Yeah, we're, we're entering the final stages of preparing it. It's important for people to know that uh, the, the question isn't just the question itself. Uh, we also need to know what evidence we'll be relying on in, uh, in the reference and putting it in front of the court to uh, show the court uh, why we're doing this and what the importance of it is. Uh, so it's actually preparing the whole file. We're moving remarkably quickly for the law, uh, and uh, we had to change gears, obviously, when we put out a proposal for a regulation that the federal government in Alberta didn't like and said, that's fine, we'll pull it and we'll put it to the court and get their advice on that. Uh, and uh, that's what we're doing, uh, and we're moving as quickly as we can. We're going to the Court of Appeal because that's the highest level of court that we can refer a matter like this to. And our interest, as I'm sure Alberta and Canada's interest, and uh, I understand companies' interest as well, is finality on this. We'd like to go to the Supreme Court of Canada, uh, but we can only do that in cooperation with the federal government. And so far, they've declined to join us in a joint reference. So, and I'm unaware of the technicality there. They have to join you in order to propel it to the Supreme Court. They can't just say, okay, we're going to move it up there on their own by uh, unilaterally? The, the federal government can refer directly to the Supreme Court of Canada. They could potentially take our reference question and, and refer it directly to the Supreme Court of Canada. Our preference would be to do that cooperatively. Uh, but uh, in any event, we can't go to the Supreme Court of Canada without the support of the federal government, and, and they're not interested in the reference at this stage. 
Any, uh, this is a bit outside the bubble, but any worries on your end, Dave, about uh, this May 31st deadline from Kinder Morgan? Uh, the courts aren't going to care about that deadline. Uh, are you worried that this court case is just going to sail past it and there's going to be some consequences or no? Well, the, the decisions that Kinder Morgan needs to make are the decisions of that company. And for our perspective, uh, we're bringing this reference forward and it doesn't deal with just this pipeline project. It also deals with the shipment of diluted bitumen by rail and the requirement of all shippers of diluted bitumen to ensure that they have adequate spill response in place, that they can clean up the mess if they cause one, and also they have adequate spill prevention in place. We have a huge coastal economy with tens of thousands of jobs that relies on our reputation as a a wonderful, natural, wild place. And uh, if we lose that reputation due to a massive oil spill, the economic consequences are huge. So these regulations we're referring to the court aren't about one project, and uh, Kinder Morgan will have to take the decisions that they take uh, but these regulations are going to apply uh, broadly to shipments of diluted bitumen in BC. In in forging ahead with this court case, Dave, do you believe that there is a chance that there will be a legal result giving BC the muscle that you're obviously hunting for? Uh, because some critics are saying, listen, you've been given legal advice and that this whole thing may be for naught because at the end of the road, uh, the federal government is going to be able to do it once anyway, in which case this whole thing is moot. Uh, All we can do uh, in terms of our responsibility as a provincial government is exercise what's called our jurisdiction or our authority to put regulations in place. Uh, And we want to extend that uh, jurisdiction to the uh, very limit of our constitutional authority. And that's why we're going to court. Uh, That's why we're asking the court, what is the limit? Where is the end of our authority here? And we will exercise our jurisdiction at that point because we believe it's critically important to ensure our coastal economy is protected, the tens of thousands of jobs billions of dollars in economic activity that relies on us having uh, water that's not filled with diluted bitumen. So uh, we have a responsibility there and we're going to exercise it and we're going to ensure that the court advises us about what the extent of that authority is. Uh, Switching gears to proportional representation, uh, I'm I'm growing personally concerned about the length of time we have between now and and the referendum voting day. We're now talking about, what, six or seven months. Uh, We don't have rules, we don't have a ballot question, we don't have a lot of the guidelines, and we don't have an official campaign. Uh, Is it it fair to to hammer this out and have a handful of months between now and voting day, or, or should there be a more appropriate length of time? Uh, you know, I guess if we were starting from zero, uh, uh, the concern uh, might be well-placed. But uh, where we are is we just concluded uh, the largest engagement in British Columbia's history with uh, tens of thousands of people participating and, uh, and providing recommendations to government about uh, rules, about the question, about how we should be uh, holding this referendum process. Uh, so the process has already started and it's well underway. Uh, I've been uh, personally overwhelmed by the level of interest in this question and uh, across the province. We had people participating um, from the furthest corners of BC, and uh, that information will all be provided in a report to the public uh, with recommendations that will be transparent and will go to Cabinet. And so uh, I I do uh, anticipate that to happen very shortly, and I look forward to us advancing the discussion about how we send people to uh, the legislature in Victoria and uh, something that was supported by all of the members opposite us in the House and the BC Liberal Party as well. Uh, yeah, I ask because if you reflect on the HST referendum, you reflect on the gas tax referendum recently in the Lower Mainland. I mean, we're talking a campaign there, literally a campaign from beginning to finish, uh, the campaign itself of at least a year, if not more. And in this case, we're going to have a handful of months. Well, the, the process has been underway for quite some time. We uh, had a mailer to every house in BC. We had extensive materials available on a government website for people to participate. 
We had tens of thousands of people spend 16 minutes filling out a questionnaire, more than 80,000 British Columbians, 30 submissions from groups across the province. The discussion has been underway uh, for quite a period of time now, and uh, it's part of a larger project that will conclude in the uh, referendum in November. All right. Any uh, any movement to perhaps push that voting day or this thing is in cement? That's when it's happening. The legislation requires the uh, the uh, uh, referendum to be held in November, and that is when the referendum will be held. Uh, we've been working with Elections BC. Uh, we've been working with British Columbians across the province about what the rules should be and what the format should look like, and uh, and we are on track. All right. When you say the referendum question, some of the details could be coming shortly. What do you mean by shortly, Dave? Are we talking days or perhaps a week or two or, or something a little longer than that? We have staff that are compiling uh, the submissions of literally tens of thousands of British Columbians in multiple languages uh, into a report that will be released to the public. It will have recommendations in it to uh, Cabinet about what the rules should be around the referendum and what the ballot should be. And, uh, and we should have that uh, shortly to British Columbians. Um, and uh, I, I expect it will be very soon, actually. All right. Uh, Angela wanted to fire this at you. Uh, apparently, you've been briefed on anti-money laundering practices in the liquor industry. Uh, can you tell or shed any light on, on what's happening there? Yeah, the, the uh, BC uh, Liquor Distribution Branch has a number of, uh, of uh, high-profile, high-value products that it sells. And uh, my concern was uh, if people were buying these products, Bordeaux wines or fine scotches or these kinds of things with large amounts of cash, uh, making sure that the LDB has reporting processes in place to ensure that uh, suspicious cash transactions are captured. I'm working with uh, management at the LDB uh, around that, and obviously my concern about this was raised by the fact uh, that I'm also responsible for gaming and found some very serious issues there. So uh, having, a, having a look at what we're doing on the liquor side as well uh, in a business that could be cash-based is a really important thing. Are you concerned about uh, Sam Cooper's put out another one basically linking uh, triads and drugs and money laundering as a giant sort of uh, wheel that is just circling through the BC economy, linking housing, gaming, all sorts of things. Uh, He's done some, as you know, some stellar work on this. Uh, When you look at the scope of what he recently put out, is that cause for some serious concern? Yes, you know, I think that one of the things Mr. Cooper has done a very good job of is to illustrate to British Columbians uh, some of the material that I was briefed on when I took over this job as minister responsible for gaming. I was uh, blown away by uh, what I was briefed on. Uh, and uh, since then, things like uh, learning about the Vancouver model being taught in Australia by a professor there to Australia's anti-money laundering enforcement team as well as their security forces as an example of what to avoid for Sydney, Australia. So uh, we're being used as an object lesson for other Uh, parts of the world about how to avoid uh, becoming like Vancouver, uh, I think that's a big problem. And I think that is a federal problem. And I think that the federal government should be involved with us in ensuring that we have the RCMP resources around anti-money laundering and that we also have the Revenue Canada resources uh, to track down uh, where this money is coming from. When are we going to see the German report next week? Uh, So I've received the German report. It's quite extensive and uh, it has a I think it's 48 recommendations, hundreds of pages. Our staff are going through it, and uh, we're working with law enforcement to make sure that the public release of it won't compromise any law enforcement investigations and also ensure that we're not unintentionally releasing anyone's personal or private information. Uh, We should have that out shortly, and I hope to release it by the end of the session. Okay, perfect. Uh, Last question before I let you go. Uh, Share of funding, uh, some money flowing in to get uh, three new graduating classes, obviously to address a bit of a staffing shortage. Uh, Any comment on that? 
Yeah, it was just at a graduation ceremony for sheriffs in uh, New Westminster, uh, 18 new sheriffs joining uh, the sheriff's service. Uh, they are very welcome because uh, we have uh, inherited a sheriff shortage in our court system from the previous government. We've added an extra class of sheriffs, so there will be three classes running through the Justice Institute in New West. Uh, and they will be adding to the team of sheriffs that we have on the ground. Uh, court can't go ahead without a sheriff. And, uh, and we also are very aware of our obligations under a recent Supreme Court of Canada decision that uh, if there are delays due to problems in the justice system, that people could uh, go free without being tried on uh, what they're being accused of. And we don't want that at all. So we're taking the proactive steps necessary to prevent that from happening. And between your workload and fatherhood, uh, are you managing to squeeze in any sleep whatsoever? <laughs> thanks man yeah i'm trying to get my eight hours for sure <laughs> good to hear okay thanks man you've been generous with your time always good to talk to you you bet shane thanks for your interest